Where have you been? Cam claps my shoulder but stays at arm's reach, almost unconsciously keeping a wide distance between us. Everything okay? The cops were in here asking everyone about you. When? I check my watch. I'm about half an hour late for work, but that's really not enough time for the police to have shown up and questioned people, then left without a trace. I scowl and try to think why the police might ask about me, anyway. I must have had too much to drink at dinner last night because my head feels fuzzy and I can't remember how I got home from the restaurant. I took a cab there, so I couldn't have caused too much trouble, only a few blocks from my house. I crack my knuckles and stretch my neck from side to side. Everything feels fine, so I couldn't have been in a fight either. Um, maybe two or three days after you disappeared. Wilson had all but fired you, but after the police confirmed you and Allie were missing, well. He trails off and takes a few small steps back. I don't want to pry. You don't owe me any answers, I'm just glad to see you're okay. But go sort everything with Wilson first. Ken gives me another small pat on the back, then heads towards his desk. I shake my head, still trying to clear the remnants of the hangover. Cam is known for his practical jokes, but this seems a bit obscure for his usual style. I'm not sure what his angle is. But it seems my late entrance to work didn't go unnoticed, and maybe this whole setup is Cam's way of trying to tell me discreetly to smooth things over with our boss. I sigh and move towards the office at the end of the hall. Most of the offices in the Metron building have glass walls and bright interiors, but James Wilson seems to have the only one without a single window, giving it a dark and oppressive feel. The door is open a few inches, so I knock and listen for any sign he's there. Come in, Wilson calls out. I push the door open enough to lean my upper body through. I'm sorry to bother you, Mr. Wilson. Do you have a minute? Wilson looks up and as soon as he sees me, his face transforms into a scowl. Come in, shut the door. The knuckles of his hands have gone white around his pen and he seems to have to make a great effort to unclench his fist to set it to the side. You have a lot of nerve showing back up here. I'm. I stammer but can't seem to recover. I force myself to take a deep breath and slide into the seat across from him. His jaw clenches and a vein starts to pulse in his neck. Shit, I must really be in trouble. I'm not sure what you heard, but I'm sorry. Wilson puts up a finger and picks up the receiver of his phone, punching a few buttons. He's here, he murmurs into the phone and drops it back. He continues to look at the phone, kneading and unneeding his jaw. He swipes then taps a few times at his cell phone as well before turning back to me. Should I go? I say, standing back up and backing towards the door. If this is a bad time. I reach for the handle behind me, but it's already turning as my fingers graze it. I have just enough time to jump out of the way before another man walks in, blocking the whole of the doorway with his enormous frame. I told you he'd come back, the man says, addressing Wilson without taking his piercing eyes off of me. There must be a mistake, I say, backing up towards the chair again. I don't know what either of you is talking about. I was just a little late getting into work. I think back over what I can remember from dinner last night. Did I run into either of them at the restaurant? Did I do something stupid again? I'm pretty sure I've never met this huge man before, but something about his sharp blue eyes looks familiar. I must have seen him somewhere but can't place it.
A voice crackles over the intercom system built into the phone, a three-note trill telling me it's an announcement sent to the entire building. There will be an all-hands town hall meeting in the auditorium in 10 minutes. All employees are required to attend. The sound of rustling, murmurs and footsteps come from the other side of the door, but neither of the men make a move to leave. Well, I guess I'll see you both there, I say, attempting to angle around the man still blocking the door. Just because you developed the prototype doesn't mean it belongs to you. It was developed here under contract and is rightfully ours. Wilson says, standing. His anger finally seems to be under control and there is just cool focus in his features. The man at the door makes a move to grab my arm, but I fluidly dodge, smoothly rolling my upper body while keeping my feet planted. I grab his wrist and drive my bent elbow into his extended one, forcing it to hyperextend the wrong way. As the man roars he twists to take the pressure of his arm, now facing back toward the door. I pull the door open and it connects solidly with his nose, and I feel a spray of blood across my hands and a few drops across my face. I wedge myself out the door and start sprinting down the now empty hallways. I've been in a few bar fights in my life, but I've had nothing close to the ability or skill I showed back in the office. I feel myself starting to hyperventilate, both from exertion and panic. That display was a far cry from a few drunken swings in an alley. Alley. I come to a dead stop in front of the elevators, suddenly paralyzed. What happened to Allie? She was at the restaurant with me. As the display above the elevator blinks, my feet seem to move of their own accord, sprinting for the stairs and almost sliding down towards the parking lot. I reach inside my pocket for my keys, but my fingers rub against something else, a small bit of crumpled paper. I pull it out and try to make sense of it while still running. Even as the words bounce, I can easily make out my handwriting. This is all part of the plan. I'm going to show you where I hid the prototype. 